Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. Uh, we're glad that you're on this morning. Listen, everybody, we're having a show today, and we have three guests. The guests are Sarah Spears. She's with co-founder of Tootsies at uh, Tempe, Inc. And we have Angela Dawson. She's the president and CEO of 40 Acre Co-op. And we have Stephen Bedico, who's co-founder and managing director of Turning Basin Labs. And we're going to start this morning with... Sarah. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Glad you're on today. So so appreciative that you're taking the time to tell us about the program you're in. I hear it's a boot camp. It's Start.coop. What is that about, the Start.coop? Well, Start.coop is a, a national program, an ex- accelerator program for cooperatives that can scale nationally. It's a highly competitive process to get into, and once you're in, this year's cohort is six cooperatives. You are provided with training, coaching, mentoring, all kinds of guidance on the business as well as the cooperative aspects of creating a, a, a model for the democratic economy. And so how long have you been a co-op? Uh, we've been a worker-owned cooperative since May 2019. Okay, so you're no, you're a year and something old. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, found this to be in uh, in startup mode. That's part of what the program really focuses on, accelerating our startup process and supporting us every step of the way. It's an amazing program. Have you learned much in it in the program? Yeah, I mean it's invaluable. We have group sessions, small group sessions, individual coaching, mentors, uh, and then meeting you wherever your needs are. So we've been working hard on our pitches. We're all raising money. So we'll be culminating with a, a people's pitch on October 9th as part of the cooperative, National Cooperative Business Alliance National Conference. So that's on October 9th if people want to come and see what uh, some great scalable cooperatives are doing uh, across the country. So for folks out there listening, you can go to ncba.coop. That's the National Cooperative Business Association.coop, and you can sign up for their capital impact, which they have every year. But the great thing about this year is all virtual, and if you go sign up now, it's $35. At some point, and I don't remember the date, it goes to $75 to be in. So very inexpensive, and it's three days with a lot of different uh, workshops. And in this one, the people's pitch is going to be on October the 9th. So these six, it is six winners yep. out of 80, there are 80 applicants, and they, they had competition and they got it down to six. And so these three of them are on today. So let, let's get into what it is, uh, Sarah, what is your business that you started? Thanks. Uh, 
Turis tempeh uh, makes tasty, ready-to-cook, and sustainably made tempeh, which is a delicious plant-based protein. And we do it in a way that supports local agriculture everywhere. So what that means is that we will start in New England and, uh, you know, focus on New England. And then when we're ready to grow and expand, we will open regional production facilities across the country in a cooperative franchise model so that wherever Tootie's is purchased, a consumer is supporting local farmers, communities, and workers. So that's, that and the, other, the, other, the sustainable part of our operation is that right now all commercial tempeh is fermented with single-use plastic bags. So it sits in a plastic bag for over 24 hours at a high heat. And then it's put in another layer of single-use plastic for its final outer packaging. And we found that to be quite a disconnect with a product that's so healthy and such a superfood. So we've spent a year of R&D developing our own proprietary fermentation chamber that ferments in metal pans instead of plastic bags. And we've also found a recyclable and plant-based film that we can use for our um, packaging for vacuum sealing instead of uh, a single-use plastic bag. And then our outer box is a paperboard sustainable box. So it has a much better presentation as well than, uh, you know, Two layers of plastic, what can you say? Okay, okay. So how many workers do you have? Is Worker Cooperative. How many workers do you have? Right now, just the two co-founders. And we'll hire uh, our first, hopefully, some soon-to-be uh, other worker owners um, during our first year of, of production. And then, like I said, in year three, when we start expanding to the franchise cooperative, each one of the franchises will also have up to 10 workers, maybe more. We're not quite sure. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it all out in our first pilot here in New England. Yeah. So you're, you're out of Maine. So you're up in New England doing tempeh. Yeah, uh, and soybeans. New... I just heard that the soybean crop in Maine, uh, despite the drought, is actually a bumper crop this year. I think because of our wet spring, I don't know, but yeah, we're we're happy to support local farmers here. So, how did you get the funding for this business? We um, we got a grant in the beginning for the R and D part to develop the fermentation chamber from the Maine Technology Institute. Um, we've also there's a, a, a monetary uh, award from Start Co-op um, that also helped. We have a large loan for the equipment that we purchased that we got from the Cooperative Fund of New England. And we've gotten an SBA loan as well as some equity that we're raising right now. We've raised you know, uh, uh, close to $50,000 right now, and we're uh, hoping to get up to 170 during our first year of operations. So does Start.coop help you with that? Was it yes, they, they give uh, cash as well as in-kind that is an equity investment. Great news. So do you yeah. like doing this work, Sarah? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a passion. And, yeah, it feels incredible to be uh, really digging deep into the values that are my values and also the values of cooperatives in terms of, of really – working towards the health and wellness of people, animals, and the planet. 
So that's why I wake up every day. And yes, it's a lot of fun. So when you wake up every day, do you wake up with a smile like, let's go do this? <laughs> let's go toadies. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, as anyone who's been an entrepreneur before, you have to be incredibly flexible and nimble and, uh, you know, positive and work really, really hard. And, and the beautiful thing about cooperatives is that you also uh, cross train. So you're constantly learning. And yeah, so it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. Thanks. So why did you choose to be a co-op as opposed to a regular for-profit capitalist business? Well, I've been in that other side of the business and uh, seen how um, oppressive and just uh, unfair it is. And so it just seemed like a natural to, in terms of when we wanted to expand by supporting local farmers everywhere, that it sort of is the the core ethic of a cooperative is to support communities and local people. So it, it just felt natural and really came from a place where I've seen one person or a group of people have too much power and uh, the workers be diminished and not listened to. And so I felt that uh, it was important to empower workers. So what you're really talking about, you've just talked about three of the four principles, and we'll talk about that later on in, in this session. If somebody wanted to reach you either to buy the tempeh from you or to see about working from you or starting their own franchise, even though it may not be three years before they do it, how would they do that? How would they contact you? Well, they can go to our website, which is com, or they can email me at sarah at com, and it's T-O-O-T-I-E-S. And tempeh is T-E-M-P-E-H. Would you spell yeah, T- it a little bit slower? Sorry, T-O-O-T-I-E-S, Tooties. And tempeh is T-E-M-P-E-H. Tempeh's been around for hundreds of years, actually, uh, and was developed first in Indonesia. And it's the staple diet of all Indonesians. And um, it came over here in the probably 50s and 60s, and it's been growing in popularity as people have become more aware of the impact of animal agriculture on climate change and on their own health, as well as, you know, the uh, fact that we're systematically uh, abusing sentient animals. So more and more people are eating plant-based, like 65% of Americans are reducing their consumption of meat. So tempeh is a real natural place for people to gravitate to because it's simple and clean. It's just made of fermented beans, so it doesn't have this huge uh, ingredient list of things you don't know what they are. It's just pure, and it's incredibly high protein, as much protein as beef, and full of vitamins and minerals, and, and it's also fermented, so it's really great for your digestive support. It sounds wonderful. So for, is it's Tootsie's Tempeh uh, .com or .coop? Uh, it's .com. We got that before we were incorporated as a cooperative. So I would encourage you to change that. Just make it's an yeah. easy application to get that 
Yeah.coop. So if you really want to get a hold of Tootsie Tempeh, you can go up to their webpage, www.tootsietempeh.com. Or you can email her at Sarah at TootsieTempeh.com if you want to get more information. And I'll be doing that. I'm, I'm really interested in trying it because I have been um, – I'm, I'm moving more toward plant-based. Uh, I'm only down to fish now, and I'm getting ready to take that out. Uh, and uh, I want to see if I can put this in my diet. So Yeah, I'm my really son made uh, tempeh tacos the other day, and he's a he's a carnivore and eats he's, eats just about anything. And he said it tasted just like a fish taco. <laughs> we made it with like a mango sauce and I don't know, just all the same things. And it has a texture that's very similar to fish. It's sort of light and and textury. Yeah. So there you go. So everybody. We're going to take our first break. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for that. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Angela. Her co-op is called 40 Acres Cooperative. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Information is power. That's why WL is a, a great, great partner for this program because on this program, National Cooperative Bank is our sponsor. And we, the idea is to give you information about cooperatives so you can do like these three contestants I've done and start your own. Get two, three, four, five people and start your own business, create your own job, create your own profits. You don't have to go out looking for somebody else to get a job for. You can do your own thing. Then the, the idea is to find a business where you can solve some community problem. And Sarah just talked about Tootie's Tempeh, and they are providing Tempeh and help people that are going more plant-based, and they're doing it in a way that helps the environment. So now we're going to talk to Angela, who's 40 Acre Cooperative. Good morning, Angela. Good morning, Vernon. Thank you for having us on the show today. Thank you for being here. So what is 40 Acre Co-op? What, what, what do you do? Well, 40 Acre Cooperative is a nationwide cooperative that focuses on bringing economic market opportunities to farmers across the United States. We're focusing, for the most part, on hemp production for farmers because that is uh, one of the newest and leading markets for, that create the best margins for our members. What's hemp? Hemp? Hemp is yes. a... Is a is a plant that was just recently had been illegal in the United States for the past 75 years. And with the 2018 Farm Bill, was set to be legal to grow in the United States and in 50 states and Puerto Rico. And uh, it's a regenerative plant that provides many economic opportunities and production and, and in, in industry across the world. So is that marijuana? Is that hemp? Oh, no. Actually, hemp is not marijuana. So actually, hemp is the agricultural name for the cannabis sativa plant. So the scientific name for the plant overall is cannabis sativa. Cannabis can contain uh, many uh, cannabinoids, which THC is one of them. And, uh, but hemp, the hemp plant is free of THC, but it has other cannabinoids that we use for various uses in personal care and industry. So what are some of the uses uh, when you say personal care? Is that soap or something? Or Sure. I mean, well, uh, in, 
in total, the plant is said to have 35,000 uses in general. So the hemp plant, the cannabis sativa plant, has uh, some health benefits. Uh, there's a lot of research that's been done with uh, the FDA and other federal government agencies are now beginning to approve research because now that the plant is legal, we're able to find uh, to, to conduct much more research and be able to find out all of the wonderful applications that hemp has. But it's everything from personal care to health care, wellness, uh, and then there's industrial uses like paper, textiles, clothing. It's being researched to replace plastics and many other um, applications in the United States. Right now, we're focusing on the CBD and personal care and health care applications of the plant, but we have so much more um, to experiment and to learn about how hemp can um, improve the quality of the life of our farmers and our communities. That's phenomenal. So what's CBD? So you said CBD, personal care, and something else I missed. Yes, personal on. care, health and wellness, and and there's industrial applications. But right now we're focusing on CBD, which is short for the term cannabidol. And cannabidol is basically, uh, it includes a whole spectrum of molecules in the hemp plant that have a different kind of effect depending on what uh, people are, what people's certain needs are. So for the CBD application, we have... Um, you know, there's different forms of CBD. There's CBDA. There's kind of it kind of can get scientific and technical, which we have a physician on our on our team to help break down sort of the health and scientific aspects of CBD. But basically, the way that we treat it is in a full spectrum way, which means that it has sort of an entourage effect for people, and all of the different cannabinoids within the hemp plant provide different kinds of effects for people and it all depends on the potency of the plant, right? So the 40 acre co-op really focuses on producing high quality CBD plants, meaning that we are, um, we're producing plants that are free of chemicals, of toxins, of pesticides, and that have the highest quality CBD, um, elements, uh, that provide the best effects for the customers that are using our products. So I have a cousin that has glycoma, and the doctors prescribe something for him. Is that within the CBD range? Mm-hmm. And he makes, they have cookies and other stuff that they put this plant in that helps him with his glycoma. And he tries to eat as much of it as he can. <laughs> so he likes the filling. <laughs> yes, it can, go in, it can go in food. It can go in, um, it can go in hair products. It can go in body products, facial care products soaps, shampoos, um, but yes, there's many different uses for the plant, and that's why we're so excited that it has been legalized, and we're wanting to get more education and information out to our farmers, in particular black farmers who um, historically have been shut out of agricultural opportunities, and specifically in the cannabis and hemp industry. Uh, we d- see that there's a lack of uh, diversity and ownership, and that's really what the 40-acre co-op is focused on is, uh, you know, educating people about the many uses of the plant, finding, uh, getting the best expertise in the field, and then finding the farmers who are ready and able to help grow uh, the plant and, and bring quality hemp and CBD to the community. I think it's phenomenal what you're doing, and uh, so I have a shout-out for you to, for doing this. 
because I've been working on two projects, one in California and one in, in Maryland, helping people do their, their business plans to get the license to grow these plants. And both of these were blacks, and neither one of them got it. And there's been conversations about how blacks are not getting into this. this more, and, and then white folks, even Congress people, are, are getting into this. Or as they get out of, out of the house, they'll get into it because it's a money crop. Uh, yeah. So we really want our black farmers to get into it. I appreciate what you're doing. What's your success? How successful have you been in getting black farmers into this, producing this, and selling it? You know, 40-acre uh, co-ops, you know, mission is uh, – very attractive, I'd say, to uh, a, a range of farmers across the country. We are focused on organizing uh, black farmers in particular. We say that we support socially disadvantaged farmers, but as you mentioned, Vernon, there's a lot of disparity within the, the green hemp industry, meaning that 80% of most hemp and cannabis businesses are owned by white males. And then we have the flip side of the disparity where uh, most of the um, arrests that have happened when cannabis was illegal, mm -hmm. uh, we have about 70% arrest rate for African Americans. So this disparity with the criminalization of the plant versus the um, versus the ownership and the business opportunities is something that we're really focusing on. So on one hand, on the criminal side of it, blacks have gotten arrested, and I would have thought it was 90%, not 70, because I have three nephews and one great-nephew in jail right now because of this. So it's real personal to me mm. that folks, that black folks get in jail for distribution, growing and distribution, and have done it. And they've gotten high, high you know, 10, 15, 20-year sentences. So it's, you know, arrested for this and very, very high, how long they have to stay in there. And now when they make it, make it legal, and there's financial awards for it, the financials of why these brothers particularly would go out and, on a street corner and sell this stuff. The you know, rewards then go to the white folk. The 80% of this business is white. And I, I would have thought it would be more like 90 because my experience in it is the blacks that I've tried to help get into this business have not gotten into it. Mm. And just a real quick, I, I taught marketing at Howard for five years, and I used a case on the marijuana business to teach the class about it. And at that time, which was in the 90s, late 80s and early 90s, the the outcome was not financial. It would be financial for a while, but the end result was a, a death or imprisonment. Mm -hmm. uh, very few of the people in the business ended up having the financial rewards and the financial wealth. Now they legalize it, then we're shut out. So hallelujah for what you're doing. That's my preaching this morning. So how is it for you? I mean, do you like doing this? Do you wake up in the morning like Sarah, excited about what you're doing? Well, I have to, yeah, it's, it's really similar. You know, farming is my passion. I'm a fourth-generational farmer, which means my father was a farmer, his father was a farmer, and his father was a farmer, and, and, and mostly in the Iowa, Kansas City area. Uh, so we're fourth-generation farmers up here in the Midwest, and it's been really difficult, I think, over the years, generationally, right, because we haven't really had a community of black farmers up here to really support each other. And so, yes, farming is my passion, um, bringing uh, the community together around something that can be inspirational and profitable and that can change our economic future is something that keeps me up, yes, all night, and it does wake me up in the morning. I love working with plants. I love uh, sustainable agriculture, and, you know, and I love my people. So, yes, this is something that I'm passionate about, and I love, um, and I love this work. I love, I love, I love. You said it three, four, five times. I, I love did. that you're doing it. 
<laughs> that you're doing it. Okay, and you can get help other people. How many workers? We only have about thirty seconds here, but how many how many farmers or members do you have now? Yeah, so we have about twenty five members in in the co-op, and about another twenty five in the pipeline. Meaning that they're engaging with our membership coordinator. They come to meetings. They come to our Zoom meetings. They're on our email list. We- We've we've got to take our second break. We'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch that dial. We've been talking about food so far. We're going to talk about something else when we come back. Your news talk station. Morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program you're listening to is Everything Co-op. Uh, This program is being brought to you by the National Cooperative Bank. NCB has been our partner and supporter for the seven years we've been on. We would have been on it. Our anniversary is October, same as October month, the same month that we'll have NCBA's Capital Impact. um, October 7th, 8th, and 9th. You can go online and get on to that. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities by providing innovative financial and related services. And some of the folks that we've been talking to this morning have been in low-income communities, but they're all about social impact and how they can, imp- how they can improve our environment. We talked to Sarah first from uh, Tootsie's Tempe, and then we talked with Angela from, uh, she does uh, agriculture, 40-acre uh, cooperative. And now we have the opportunity to talk to Stephen, who is... Uh, African descent from from the UK, and he has a co-founder and managing director of Turning Basin Labs. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Vernon. How you doing? I'm great, sir. I'm great. I'm really good. And what is Turning Basin Labs? Well, yeah, thank, thank, thanks for having me and for the opportunity to talk about Turning Basin Labs. We are a staffing agency based out of California. We um, support contractors. Or, or low-wage workers to find contract roles in technology, manufacturing, or research. But as a co-op, we then offer those contractors ownership in our agency. We provide them with career support, and we also provide them with a community and a, a network to, to find other roles. Okay, so if I have a construction company, I'm a contractor. I can come to you, and you help me staff my workers, and I'm a part of the co-op. Yeah. That's, That's right. You you could be an employer. You could come to us and say, hey, look, you know, I need five or, or, or six workers, and we'll help you find those workers. We'll place them. You know, you might want to treat them as, as contractors, but we'll put them through to you as a contractor, but then they'll be employed by us, and then we'll try and find them other roles. And basically, as they earn hours working for you, they then earn ownership into into our co-op. But we also support people directly. So, you know, we have workers who come to us directly and say, hey, I've got these three or four gigs that I'm managing. Can you help me manage these and process the finances and provide me insurance and help me negotiate pay rate and and that kind of stuff? So we work both ways. Okay, so your members are both the workers that you help get jobs, temporary jobs or so forth. And then they're also the contractors could be that are had their jobs and they're need workers and you have both both sides of it. And and both of those could be members? Exactly. Yeah. Both right? of those types of workers can be members. Employers can't really be members. They can be supporters, you know, buy from us, you know, 
commit to us, maybe donate to us. But yeah, those those two types of workers are, are the people that make up our co-op. Okay, so if somebody wants to reach you, how would they reach you? They need some workers. Are you are you just in California? You work in California, or are you nationwide? We're just in California at the minute. We're quite new. We only started in August 2019. We got going, and then obviously we were impacted by by COVID-19. But then thankfully we also joined the Start.coop program, and that's been tremendous to really help us refocus, repivot. And, and now we're, we're, we're growing again. We're just in California at the minute, but we want to open up other chapters across the U.S. once we've got a bit of scale and made a bit more progress. Okay. Uh, so I have done con- construction work. I had a construction company, and getting those workers is difficult and keeping them employed. So if, I, if you've got a worker... Do you then, would you have told me in my company, I've got somebody to meet this need. I need a, I need somebody to do drywall. So you you have somebody to do drywall. Do you tell me the price or do I set the price for what I'm going to pay that person? Great question. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll agree the price with you together. You know, like we, we try and make sure that all our workers are paid a, paid a fair rate, you know, so we only put people to work if they're getting paid more than, $20 an hour, and, you know, part of that is the kind of um, cost of living in, in, in California, especially in the Bay Area. But we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that that worker is, is getting a fair rate, and then we'll agree a rate with you as, as the employer. And, you know, there'll, there'll usually be a markup in there, which obviously covers insurance, our operating costs, contribution to the co-op. But, you know, we're not, we're not in it to try and make lots of money. You know, we, we, we see ourselves as a progressive staffing agency and so yeah you know we're in it to to make enough to cover our costs reinvest in the co-op but really get get that person to work and you know get get you the talent that you need and so what about the fringe benefits for that labor you've got a you've got a good hourly rate twenty dollars plus whatever that the cost of living adjustment may be but what about fringes yeah so we're still early stages and you know we are offering um benefit discounts to our workers, so we have partnerships with different providers. You can get um, our workers discounted healthcare, discounted travel. Um, we actually have a benefits directory, which is just a list of, of all the different benefits that are actually available to all Californian citizens that you know just our contractor community just don't know about, right? Because we're not mm-hmm. we're not getting pulled together um, enough. So we make that available. But but yeah, you know, again, Start.coop has been great to help us get a plan in place to grow, we're raising investment, we're, we're, we're increasing our customers. And um, yeah, you know, once once we've put about 35 workers to work so far, but once we've got to about 100, then mm-hmm. we, we think we'll have the, the scale to be able to, to potentially try and secure a benefit on behalf of, of our workers, which we think will probably be, be healthcare in, in the first instance. So are these 35 workers uh, members of the co-op now? Actually, no, not all 35 are, are members. You know, for us, it's all about choice, Vernon. You know, we don't want to force people to be part of something if they don't want to be. If they just want to come in, use our services and go, that's fine. If they want to come in, use our services, and then they find another job somewhere, a full-time job, that's also fine. But, yeah, we, 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 we love it when people want to stay and maybe they're doing different jobs, but we remain their employer of record. So of those 35 workers, I think about seven or eight have, have signed up to be part of the co-op. 
Um, a number of them are still working with us. So, you know, we, we, we hope that that number will, will increase. So, Stephen, what's the benefits of being a member? Okay, so I don't have to be a member. I'm getting 25 bucks an hour working with you, through you. I've got a job, and I've also, when this job finishes in three months, you'll help me find another job. We're working together. So I'm cool. This is better than anything else I've ever had. Why, why would I be want to become a member? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's those kind of three co-op benefits that, um, you know, are really primarily for our members. And, you know, it's for our members that we will double down and support them around those benefits. So the first one is, you know, we've got a network. We've got a whole network of different employers, past workers, mentors, coaches, who, you know, we can tap into, right, to help you find that next role or link into to some group that you want to link in. The second one is uh, career support. Right. So, you know, we, we want to support our workers to develop their careers. You know, we're living in this age where, you know, if you're a contract worker, employers are just like, right, I just want you to come in, do the work and go. I'm not going to help you think about your career steps or what training you need or what learning and development you need. And so we're there to kind of offer that to, to our workers. And then the final one really um, is that if you stay a member of our co-op, then you share with our profit at the end of the year. You know, we're registered as a co-op in the state of California. You know, um, it's one member, one vote. Every member gets a capital account. And at the end of the year, after all costs are covered, any investment in the business is covered, then profits are shared between members of, of the co-op. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that at the end of our first full year trading, which will probably be this, this end of this calendar year, we'll be able to pay something. It might be small, but we'll be able to pay something to, to those members of the co-op. Well, you know, if you can do that in your first year, that's phenomenal because most businesses don't make money their first year. You're not profitable. As a matter of fact, most in their first year may may have a deficit, and that's why they need to get loans and stuff, so forth. So if you can do that in their first year, it's great. The first the first dividend check I got by uh, in, in a purchasing co-op was $2.98. I've, I'm, I have it saved. I'm a frame it. I didn't cash it. Okay. I was so excited to get this two dollars and ninety eight cent. Uh, so yeah, if you can do this the first year, that'd be hallelujah to you. And plus, getting coaches and career support, training and learning and and guiding people through. Maybe they'll have their own construction company one day, or their own painting company or electrical company. There's all kinds of uh, plumbing right now. Make the plumbers make huge dollars. So yeah, that's a lot, and they could. Yeah, it would be wonderful. I'd like I like it. How did you come up with this and how did you learn about co-ops? Well, you can probably tell I'm originally from the UK, but I moved to the US about three years ago and I really moved because I knew there was a whole challenge emerging around contractors and contract workers and I think, you know, I was inspired that well, you know, the US will be the place that will try and solve it as well, you know, and so connected with, with, with a good friend and we've we've been doing work around low wage workers and supporting contract workers in the California economy. And then, yeah, we came across the idea of um, maybe starting a staffing agency, but, you know, trying to trying to reverse it and trying to be a progressive staffing agency. And so he had staffing experience. I had experience of starting lots of organizations in the UK and in the US. And um, and we brought that together, you know, and, and an initial funder agreed to, to, to give us a go. But, yeah, it, it has been a tough, a tough journey you know we've only been going for a year and 
COVID-19 had, had a real impact, especially on our workers, you know. But, yeah, we, we feel like we've lent into that challenge and, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to develop again. And actually, we feel like our service is needed more than ever as, as, as people are looking for work and people are finding themselves in, in contract roles and precarious roles. We, we, we want to help kind of solve some of that. So there are four different segments of co-ops. The first one is if the employees own the business, it's called a worker co-op. And Sarah and uh, and you have a worker co-op, which we talked about earlier, and that's the the employees own it. And that's all of the things that you've been talking about, the benefits of this. And we're going to talk more about this in the next segment, the different principles of co-ops. If you make money, you get to keep it. The workers, in this case, would, would share in that. Or they would at least say what happens to that money and they could decide which dividend they would want. And then there's a consumer co-op. Uh, if it's owned and controlled by the persons that uses the products and services, it's a consumer co-op and housing co-ops, credit unions, food co-ops could be either worker or consumer. They Most of them started as consumers. So that's the second type. The third type is people get together and or companies, uh, particular farmers, to buy what they need, and they call it a producer co-op. They, if they buy in bulk, they can normally get a better quality at a lower price. And um, then distribute that to their members. And then if it's a company or a group of companies come together and create a marketing co-op or a producer co-op, and that's what uh, Angela has done. They're the farmers, and uh, farmers like you know, may own they own Cabot Creamery, Land of Lakes, Ocean Spray. And then there's a, a marketing co-op, Ujama in Pittsburgh. That there's a group of black women that got together and they're artists. And they create jewelry. And uh, I went there in July a year or two ago, and I bought all of my Christmas gifts there, uh, jewelry, clothing, uh, paintings, uh, woodwork. And they buy from other black folks around the, around the world. So those are four types, and we've got two of those types represented here today. Do you like what you do, Stephen? Do you wake up in the morning feeling great about your work? Or are you saying like a lot of workers that you're now working with, they would sort of hate to get up in the morning to go push that broom or whatever they're doing. No, no, it's it's great. You know, I feel like I've I've really found found a purpose. I think for me, you know, over my career, I've I've landed in a place where work is just so important. You know, like we've all we've all got to go and work or find work or do work. And so for me, there's nothing better than you know trying to find that win right between the worker and the employer. You know, trying to find the worker that role at a fair rate you know, make sure that they're realizing their potential. But then also, you know, trying to work with those employers to kind of realize. Well, we gotta, we've got to take our final break, and we'll be back, and we'll talk about the cooperative principles with Sarah, Angela, and Stephen. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Uh, the program is Everything Co-op, and we have three wonderful guests this, today, Sarah, Angela, and Stephen. <clears throat> and now we're going to talk about the cooperative principles, and I want to go in that same order, Sarah, Angela, and Stephen. And I want you to say the name of the company, and the first one is Volunteer and Open Membership. Do you use that principle in your in your company, Sarah? Yeah, Sarah, Tudis Tempe. Um we do, and as I said, we're only two right now, but we're uh, really looking forward to having two more by the end of the year. And uh, it's open and volunteer, and we hope that they'll share the values and want to become one. Great. 
Uh, Angela. Yes. At 40 Acre Cooperative, our mission is to support black and socially disadvantaged farmers, and so we're open to anyone who's in line with that mission. And how did how would somebody reach you with your, your yes. webpage, and how would they reach you? Our website is www.40acrecoop.us. That's spelled out F-O-R-T-Y-A-C-R-E-C-O-O-P dot U-S. Okay, fantastic. And so it's open no matter of gender, social, racial, political, or religious organization. But And you're focused toward black farmers and marginalized folks. Absolutely. Okay, Stephen. Stephen, what about you and that first principle? Yeah, well, yeah we're the same. Um, and I'm sure people want to join, they can join. If, if not, again, you know, we do, we, we are focused on building a more diverse, inclusive workforce in, in, in the Bay Area. So that, that's a big part for us. But yeah free and open to anyone to join and volunteer. And how would somebody reach out to you with your webpage? www.turningbasinlabs.com. So T-U-R-N-I-N-D, basinlabs.com. Okay. Let's go to the second principle, democratic member control, one member, one vote. Sarah. Yeah, I mean, that's um, at the, again, the core of, of why we're a cooperative. So that's definitely important. And even uh, equity investors don't have a place on the board. They don't have a vote. It's just uh, member workers. And and that is TootsieTempe.com. You can get, get here. Angela, what about you with the second principle of democratic member control? Yes, farmer members have one member, one vote. But, yes, equity investors do not vote in the co-op. Definitely about right. farmer control. Stephen. Yeah, we're we're the same one one member um, one vote. Um, you know, we we are thinking and exploring because we want to grow. You know, we want to try and get a hundred thousand workers as part of our co-op over the next ten years. So we're definitely fantastic. About, well, <laughs> you know, big big, like big goal, big ambitions. But we're definitely thinking about how how would that work with with that many potential potential members you know we haven't got the answers yet but it's something we're, we're thinking about okay so that's turningbasinlabs.com turningbasinlabs.com so now we're going to go to the third uh, principle member economic participation we've talked about that a little bit sarah how does that member economic participate participant participation work for you um well at Tudis tempe there is you know a cost to become a member owner and they can pay over time, it can be taken out of their salary over time. There's no, um, you know, pressure to pay it up front at all. Um, so we're trying to make it as as easy and accessible to become a member. How much? How much? Uh, five, it's it's 5000 And what about payout? Do you, if there's profits, uh, do they get a share in that profit? Yes, ex- exactly. Um, so it's. As soon as we're profitable, it's up to the member owners to decide uh, how to divide that up. So we're hoping to have some shares. I want to go to Angela now because we got to move this a little bit faster. Angela, what about you with member economic participation? Absolutely. That's really one of the main focuses of the co-op is is the economic model that we're bringing to farmers. So, yes, patronage refunds and uh, also discounts on key supplies for farmers and a lot of economic benefits that we have organized for our members. 
And there is and a membership cost, and it is a $500 lifetime fee. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Can they pay that out on a payment plan or all yes. at once? Payment, payment plans plan. okay. are available. Stephen. Yeah, we, 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 we offer. Yeah, we offer um, ownership and hopefully an annual payout from from profits to our members. Um, we don't charge any member fees at the minute because you know it's kind of baked into the to the maths around placing our contractors. You know, so we charge a small fee and the employers are, are paying that. So um, so yeah, so no no fees. For, for workers to, to join our co-op. You, you've just got to work at least 100 hours, and then you become a member. Okay. Well, I like the 100 hours, at least something there. Good. That's the member economic participation. Now we go to the fourth principle, autonomy and independence, which means you have to have control. Sarah. Yeah, well, that's kind of a core to our franchise uh, model. So each franchise will be uh, autonomous, and they will – they will definitely use our turnkey operation in terms of our proprietary fermentation chamber, but they can grow whatever beans grow in their area and uh, make tempeh out of chickpeas or black beans. And here in New England, we use soybeans because they grow really well here, but we can't grow the other ones. So there's uh, definite autonomy is, is key. Well, I eat a lot of soybeans, particularly in hummus, so mm. not soybeans. You mentioned something else earlier. Okay. Oh, chickpeas, yeah. Uh, chickpeas. Angela, what about you with autonomy and independence? Yes, absolutely, because, you know, most of our farmers have their own businesses. Uh, so they we do support their business individually, and then we also support them as members of the co-op. And then we also regionalize because we are a national co-op and we are encouraging farmers from all around the country to join. We regionalize our operations because you know, plants and uh, regional economies are really important. So we encourage farmers to grow their businesses and support their local communities. So this this one also focused on how independence is focused on that there's no government agency will come in and tell you what to do. And when you borrow money, the investors will not come in and tell you what to do. But it's always the members have control in the economy. So I heard you say yes to that? Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. Okay. Stephen. Yeah, the, the, all, all our workers have, have autonomy and independence. You know, we we are simply there to support them, especially contractors, right? So the idea is that if they've got one role somewhere else, you know, we'll try and help them find other roles so that, you know, they're not feeling like they're stuck or, or they can't move around. And so, so yeah, all, all our workers have autonomy and independence. Oh, great. So number five is education, training, and information. And this is the one that I loved first when I was introduced to co-ops 30 years ago because I saw everyday people really managing and getting the information to manage and run businesses successfully. That was I was doing property management. So, Sarah, what about you with education, training, and information for your members? Yeah, at Cody's Tempe, we love this one too. And we've already, um, even in our startup phases, been able to implement so that uh, the other co-founder, Barbara Fiore, and I uh, are able to do each other's job, and we're cross-training, and uh, we're really looking forward to that when our production line is set up um, to, so that anyone can do any job, um, and we're always learning and sharing information. And I see a big piece of that, Sarah, is getting everybody in there to understand what a co-op is, how it functions, how they have to vote, how they have to be informed, da 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 da, and, and know the business and the business numbers, financial numbers, and all of that stuff. Exactly, all that transparency and yep. 
Well, you just mentioned the other reason I like it was the second reason was the ethical values of honesty, openness, transparency, mm -hmm. social responsibility, and caring for one another. Okay. What about you, Angela, with education, training, and information? Yeah, 40 Acre Co-op, one of the things that uh, about education is really important for us because black farmers have been left out of the agricultural industry and the development and technology and education that has gone on over the past 70 to 80 years. So uh, we're starting our own co cohort training, as a matter of fact, just because of that very issue around the inequity in education uh, in, the, in the industry. So that's very important to us, and we... Um, and we're finding better ways to to deliver training, obviously, in this challenging time to our members. It's really important for us. Stephen, education, training, and information. Yeah, I mean that's one of our one of our core pillars. You know, we 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 we've been running kind of monthly events for our members. Um, we'll be starting back up again this this autumn, and you know we'll get speakers along for that and different experts to discuss stuff and support people. And then we're providing kind of online materials. And then we've also got a set of partners that, that we work with. So we've got great partners like JVS who, who support our workers with training and skills development. So we pull them in um, as well. So the next two, we're not going to have time to get to cooperation among co-ops, but you're already doing that with Start Co-op and being a part of that and looking for other co-ops like the Federation of Southern Co-ops or Black Farmers in the South. Uh, so there's different kinds of things you can do different purchasing co-ops and everybody, and they like to share, co-ops love to share. And then this concern for community, and all of you talked about that, which is wonderful that you're looking at how you can provide fermented foods and help the environment and economy. I've enjoyed you all very much. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm looking forward to hearing you on October 9th at the Impact. You all have a wonderful day, and everybody out there, please have a great week and live cooperatively. Thank you for being here.